0: There's almost nothing about hosting, and and really by implication producing, and that that quality. I did not coin the term hostiness. Uh, that comes from, I believe, from PRX many years ago, mm-hmm. but it's it's this ineffable quality that makes us go oh i love listening to ira glass or jed abumrad of radio lab or um, anna sale or you know brene brown whoever we connect and different people obviously connect with different hosts but what is it that makes us connect
1: Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. Here's the first part of my interview with Elaine Appleton-Grant. My next guest has actually been on this podcast before. She's an award-winning journalist, audio producer, and on-air talent who worked for three NPR affiliates before founding Podcast Allies LLC in 2019. She hosts a podcast, Sound Judgment, a master study in great podcast hosting, and I'm certainly honored to have her here, again. You might have heard her review of this podcast read out on a recent show, in fact. Her show features today's best hosts and producers, including Glenn Washington, host of Snap Judgment. John Barth, founding producer of Marketplace, Anne Bogle of What Should I Read Next, and Stephanie whittles of Last Day. Her production company, Podcast Allies, develops and produces narrative and conversation podcasts for social impact organizations, such as the Environmental Defense Fund and the American Academy of Pediatrics. So her background in good audio is pretty extensive. Her name is Elaine Appleton-Grant and I'm looking forward to getting her take on what she feels makes a good podcast and a great host. With all the interesting people she's interviewed, I know she'll have a very informed opinion. As always, if you have questions for my guest, you're welcome to reach out through the links in the show notes. If you have questions for me, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com, where you'll find a lot of ways to get in touch. Plus, subscribing to the newsletter will let you know when the new podcasts are available. And if you're getting some value from listening, Feel free to spread that around and share it with a friend, along with leaving an honest review. Both those things really help, and I'd love to feature your review on future podcasts. You can leave one either in written or in voice format from the podcast's main page. I would so appreciate that. And now, here's my interview with Elaine Appleton-Grant. Well, to start off, I'd, I'd like to say that I have been really looking forward to having this conversation with you because I think it's an important one for both of us. And I'm I'm really interested in where the idea of hostiness, which is kind of what you explore a lot of on your on your podcast, meets with the communication aspect of audio and how important sound is to our everything, really. (laughs) So I I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation and and I'm I'm glad that we've got this chance to collaborate.
0: I could not agree more and um you know Jody you and I have known each other for a while. I've been watching your journey with audio branding with a great deal of curiosity <laughs> because uh, you are delving into, you know, a lot of psychology, really, of how sound affects our behavior and our ability to trust or not trust and how we feel, even, even crazy things like how food tastes changes based on the sounds we're hearing. So some of this stuff is just astonishing to me. And, and it, you know, people who are voice talent, And podcast hosts and other kinds of people who are involved in sound, the world that you uh, investigate pretty broadly. There's so much overlap between my world
1: and your world. Totally. Yes, definitely. And I interview a lot of podcasters who are, you know, some of them have been doing this for years and years and years. And yeah, that aspect of how a host connects with an audience and becomes compelling. And is able to tell a story well. That's all about communication. It's all about sound. So yeah, it I've been is. fascinated with your, your podcast as well.
0: <laughs> oh well, thank you. And and you know, a lot of the a lot of the people I work with, um, a lot of my colleagues in the industry are very interested in voice coaching. Mm-hmm but we don't do it very much in our industry, whereas you do a lot of work around the actual voice. And I'm very curious to learn more about that. And, you know, I suspect that there's some vice versa where we may do more work on things like story structure, interviewing skills, et cetera, that can be very helpful to voice talent and commercial producers and animation producers and all of that. So uh, it's going to be really interesting sort of, um, what are we doing? We're sort of cross- Breeding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you Cross-pollinating. 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 That's a much better word. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's a better word, yes. I actually
1: really enjoyed your interview with John Barth because he went into this, right? He was talking a lot about how voice needed to be coached for podcast hosts, which I thought was fascinating because as a voice actor, I've been doing that since day one. That's what I was trained for. And it's interesting how much of an overlap there really is in becoming a good storyteller because ultimately that's what I'm doing. I might be reading someone else's words, but I have to relate them to how I feel because if I'm not relating them to how I feel, I can't project that. I can't make other people feel. So that's, that's really what a lot of this is about, making people feel. Yes,
0: yes. And you talk about, uh, and your guests talk about emotive qualities and emotion a lot, mm-hmm. which is, you know, one of the two things that podcasts do best when they are working well is is to evoke feelings, to put us there. Uh, and the other is storytelling. So it, so there's very similar. I should say, um, just for listeners who don't know what Jody is referring to, <laughs> uh, John Barth was my guest on the second episode of Sound Judgment. He is a Talent Scout he is a producer's producer he's been in the public radio world and the and and the audio storytelling world for more than 3 decades he founded marketplace he was the person who saw the moth on stage and said you know that should be a radio show and then with a team of people with a team of people at PRX developed the moth in, and and at the moth developed the moth into the moth radio hour um which has since had something like 100 million downloads so that's insane <laughs> it's insane i mean yeah. it's been over quite a long period of time but still yeah. i mean the moth is revered right mm-hmm. um so uh, a good one to a good one to call out and and the nicest guy yeah around. he sounded really sweet <laughs> yeah, yeah he is yeah. so um Jody, I I would love to start with kind of a simple question mm-hmm. for my audience, which is, how do you define what audio branding is? This is not a term that we throw around in the podcast industry.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, it's something more in the advertising marketing vein of things, and. I'll tell you what the International Sound Awards defines it as because they're the ones that kind of started giving people awards for coming up with innovative uses of sound. And that, I think, started for them in 2009. So it's been around for a while, Uh, but they define it as a brand sound that represents the identity and values of a brand in a distinctive manner. So that could be the audio logo or the sonic logo. Lots of people think of it as that, but that's not the only thing it is. It's also branded functional sounds. So say your GE kettle makes a sound when it's finished, like, you know, it it makes a just a little beep or something like that, but it's a, it's a specific beep right? It sounds high-end. <laughs> yeah, it might have, yeah. It might have a different sound, right? So, so that's like a, a branded functional sound or brand music that you would hear on a commercial or, you know, McDonald's has a particular brand music that they use all the time. Mm-hmm. And they may change the, the tone of that. They may change the beat of that, but it's still the same tune. It's still the same, the same DNA. Right. Okay. And the brand voice. So some people use the same voiceover, the same voice, uh, the the same actor for whatever there's appearing on screen. So right, all we all know that
0: that the, the voice of God of the um, yeah. movie promos, right? It used yeah. to be. I think there was a famous voice talent who did that for.
1: Decades. Yes, there there definitely was. Yeah, there were there are several of them. But yeah. Um, and uh, that was around for a long, long time. And and came about by accident, really. I mean, okay. uh, yeah, because he was replacing someone who who was supposed to be doing the job. And, oh. and he had a very distinctive voice. And so you know, they they decided to to hire him again and again and again. And they don't do that a whole lot anymore, actually, because nowadays people don't want to be told. They want to be shown.
0: You mean they don't do voice of God very much yes. anymore, but they yes. still do hire the same voice actor. Brands will hire the same oh, voice totally, actor. Oh, totally,
1: totally they will. but For, for a for, long time. Yes, but for movie trailers, movie trailers don't really have... They don't, not a lot anymore. They do if it's like coming out on streaming media sometimes, and Mm. it depends like if it's an ad, but you'll very rarely hear them in the movie theater or... You know, it just it just doesn't happen all that much anymore because the audience is more interested in being shown what they're going to see on screen rather than told by a voice on high. Right. Right. That's the switch. That's the switch that's been happening for a long time because of the way that the younger generations experience sound and advertising because they don't want to be sold to at all. (laughs) I heard that in
0: some of the episodes that I was listening to recently. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got 160 some odd episodes as yeah. of this recording.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, and, uh, and so I've been listening off and on since you started this. And the ones that I was listening to recently, I did hear something exactly about that. Mm-hmm. And that is also true. And it's something that I talk about that some of my guests talk about that people don't want to show, not tell, obviously, show, not tell over and Mm -hmm. over and over again. Let's, let's think in scenes. Let's describe scenes, put people in scenes using sound and words and Mm -hmm. voices, but also don't, Glenn Washington of Snap Judgment is strict on this. He says, I'm not going to tell you what this story means. Mm Mm-hmm. That's for you to decide. Now that there's a huge range, a huge range in decisions around that. And we can get into it later. But I found it very interesting that this is a cultural thing that crosses our industries. Mm -hmm. Because younger people say, you know, it's like the end of the newscaster
1: voice. Well, totally. And that's why voiceover styles have changed over the years, too. Right? Like, I can't sell to, I can't be talking to, like talking, you know, from on high to someone. I have to be talking with them. So right. it's it's very much a, a relational thing. And if I don't have some kind of movie, play, something going on in my head that relates to what I'm saying, it's really hard for the person listening to understand the emotion behind what I'm trying to get across and really it's all about emotion because you want to make that connection with the person on the other end whether you're seeing them or not and and that's that's emotional context and that's what sound does for us it just in general gives us emotional context all about you know you've, you've probably heard this many times before we we don't buy based on logic we buy based on emotion right <laughs> So the whole no like trust thing becomes super important, and the some in oftentimes you're the first thing you're going to experience is the sound of someone bringing something to your attention. You yeah, and this it, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, I was I was just going to say because a lot of the advertising that we see on on television or in streaming or whatever, these days specifically, people are very rarely focused on one thing. We're all multitasking in so many different ways in our lives. And so what's becoming so important about sound right now, as far as advertising is concerned, is that you aren't always sitting in front of a screen watching what's happening. You could be walking around, you could have earbuds in and you're doing the, the laundry or washing dishes or having a walk or something like that. Like, there's so many other things you could be doing. And sound is what is going to fit within that life, as opposed to having to focus on something that you're looking at. And, you know, so the sound aspect of that, even if you do have a visual aspect, is super important. Are you looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? You'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com audio-branding-strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website, and I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. If you do sign up, though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests, and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while. Totally up to you. And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that, too. Now, back to the podcast. It's
0: totally important and, um, and creates an enormous challenge for, mm. for probably both of us or everyone in our industries. Definitely. Because we're all trying to find ways to get attention. And you know there there are effective ways, there are good ways, there are ways with integrity, and there are ways that, you know, m- maybe you or I might argue are are less so, mm-hmm. and are sort of cheap, you know, short term ways, or even just lacking in in strategy. But I feel like we're jumping ahead a little bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're um, probably right. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> so let me reel us back for just a second. Okay. And. Let me just ask you, so you described what audio branding is, Mm -hmm. and you are a singer, you're a longtime voice talent, you've done amazing stuff in your career, and you continue to. What made you decide to start a show on audio branding uh, more broadly than starting a show for other people who are voice actors?
1: Well, I, uh, that's a really good question, and and one of the main things that I thought of, and and actually, this was as an offshoot of a conversation that I was having inside Vincent Pagliese's mastermind,
0: which Total uh, Life Freedom, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh.
1: Which which sort of was what got me started into podcasting in the first place because I fought it for a long time. <laughs> I was just For convinced. good reason. Uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work. And yes. yeah, I did fight it for a long time for good reason. But at the time, I, I did just, uh, I, I jumped in really, really, really quickly about six months before I started the audio branding podcast and just did something called Jody's Silver Linings, which was a sort of offshoot of a blog that I I had been writing, really short blog, about common sense stuff. Like you don't have to be productive every second of the day. And if you're in a gathering, you don't need to be taking pictures all the time. You could just actually experience the moment. (laughs) You know, this this kind of stuff. What a shocker. Exactly. All of this stuff that just came from the fact that I was a little older and had experienced some things and just, you know, wanted to tell people, look, it's okay self-care is okay. So I called it like self-care for creatives. That was kind of my, that was kind of my, my tagline. And I did it for about six months just because I wanted to jump into podcasting, figure out what it was about, figure out my processes, get things in line. And I stopped because people started asking me to be a life coach. And Uh. what, what that told me was that clearly I'm being thought of as an expert in something I didn't want to be thought of as an expert in. <laughs> uh, right, right. So yeah, I had no intention of doing life coaching, had <laughs> no interest in coaching at all, honestly.
0: I was gonna <laughs> so, say, do you, are you a voice I don't. Coach? No, no, I, I don't. So. And I yeah. have no
1: interest in doing that. Yeah, I, I, I am more of um, a fellow, I call myself a fellow traveler. So hmm. I'm asking questions that my audience might want to ask of the people that I'm interviewing. That's kind of the point of what I'm doing. But but ultimately the idea was, okay, well, if that's not what I want to be known for, <laughs> then what do I want to be known for? And and I had to think about that because there were other, uh, other voiceover-related podcasts already out there. It wasn't like I was going to be reinventing that wheel. So I thought, you know, a lot of us who work in sound have a problem with the people in our industry not understanding what it is we do and not understanding how important what we do is to their end production and not just voiceovers but anyone who works in sound right sound designers filmmakers video production people content creators anyone who works in sound has experienced the oh we'll fix it in post (laughs) right Mm -hmm. we've all we've all heard that right (laughs) oh yes if if you capture it correctly on the set you won't have to do that
0: (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) we have an even simpler term for that and I'm sure you've used
1: it as well which Mm -hmm. is garbage in garbage out exactly exactly so so yes a lot of what I deal with is I not that I feel like I'm I'm lesser in a production. Not that anyone makes me feel like that necessarily, but that because it's tacked on the end and not considered in the beginning of the production, it's not nearly as effective as it could be. And And that for me is just, people need to pay more attention to this. And I wanted them to understand psychologically how this works on us and how much more effective it could be for advertising and marketing if they thought about this beforehand instead of trying to tack it on at the end. Because it's such a big part of any production and it's the emotional part of that production. And so that is why it's so psychologically important. It's not, you're not gonna have that connection unless you think about this. So that was the impetus Behind starting the whole podcast, because really, I wanted to raise all boats for all of us who worked in sound because it's important. It.
0: <laughs> it is important. And you are so right that people don't, people, I mean, we could go down a rabbit hole of defining who exactly we're talking about who doesn't yeah. understand it. But <laughs> there is a lack of understanding, mm-hmm. I, I think, of sound. And even, you know, from me to your industry, it's like, oh, I really am just eating up like the science of why this matters and how it works. Um, it's pretty amazing. It, It really is. But people really do not understand this is why I started Sound Judgment. Mm-hmm. And I
1: wanted to is... turn that back on you as well, because, yeah, <laughs> I, I want to know why you started your podcast, because, again, that whole podcast host being a good communicator idea, um, like, what are you discovering that you didn't think you would find? Oh, the, well, those are
0: two different questions in a way. They're they're related, but I started it, I had long wanted to do a podcast about podcasting, but like you, I didn't want to do another general interest one or yes. just one that recommended other shows or anything to do with, um, you know, m- growing your audience or measuring it because there's a lot of that out there. There's a lot on the business and the mechanics of podcasting. There's almost nothing about hosting, and and really by implication producing, and that that quality. I did not coin the term hostiness. Uh, that comes from I believe from PRX many years ago, mm-hmm. but. It's, it's this ineffable quality that makes us go, Oh, I love listening to Ira Glass or Jad Abumrad of Radio Lab or um, Anna Sale or, you know, Brene Brown, whoever. We connect, and different people obviously connect with different hosts, but what is it that makes us connect? So, it's the same thing. It's the emotion, it's the connection. It's the identification. It's what's called that parasocial relationship where I feel like I don't know. Jonathan Fields of Good Life Project is my best friend, and I could chat with him on the street, but he doesn't have any idea who I am, you know, um, or people know you, Jody, because they've been listening to your podcast now for a couple of years they get to know your voice and your mannerisms and your style and they like the warmth and the friendliness or whatever there's very little about that and the interesting thing to me is well two things one is that there was some research that I'm still trying to track down again this is a few years ago i believe from radiotopia that said data that showed that people return to the same podcast again and again When they fall in love with the host. So that clearly indicates a lot of important things about who your host is, but very little attention is paid, particularly by these millions of creators who are starting podcasts every day and organizations starting podcasts every day, to what the host sounds like and thinks and behaves. And, you know, it's, there's a performative aspect to it. There's a lot going on to choose and coach and be a great host who people fall in love with. And it is completely ignored, almost completely ignored. And yeah, as somebody who, you know, my company produces podcasts for other organizations and I've been involved in this for a long time, but it goes way back. I mean, I was in theater as a little kid, all the way up through my 30s. I would do it again if I had time. Um, I'm a writer, all the, the writing and the theater and the voice talent and, and sound, you know, the technical sound quality. So much goes into this. And I've been just fascinated with it. And when I work with new hosts. It feels to some degree intuitive, but it's, it's really not. It's years of doing it, working with people, being in public radio studios where there's always a producer. So you're honing your, your ear, you know, or if you're a news editor, you're editing a reporter's story. And a lot of it is through listening And you go, oh, that doesn't sound right. Or it's, there's a logical leap or, or or the tone is wrong, you know, read it a different way to match what you're trying to get across that emotion, all of that stuff. And so finally, I, I hit on that when (laughs) I heard a show called Standing Ovation, which is a dissection show for public speakers.
1: Oh, I see. Okay,
0: done by Jay Bear, who is a National Speakers Association Hall of Famer, and I couldn't stop listening to it. And so I got in touch with him, who I did not know, and I said, "Jay, can I steal your idea but apply it to podcast hosting?" And he said, "Sure, I stole it." And he oh, had really? done this, yes. And <laughs> in fact, I interviewed him quite recently. And I asked him where he stole it from, and he stole it from a show, his title I'm, is escaping me right now, where the host was bringing comics on and they were dissecting stand-up comedy. Ooh. And he loves stand-up. Uh huh. And so he went, oh, public speaking, I can do the same thing, bring on a great public speaker, have their signature story on and dissect it with them. And it's fascinating. And I love that kind of living case study sort of thing. You know, it's like, um, it's like being in a rehearsal in the theater and getting notes. And uh, anyway, so when I did interview him, he said, not only, you know, we, we talked about that conversation where he said, sure, you know, I stole it. Go ahead. He said, you at least had the guts to ask me. I just did it. So you're twice (laughs) the person I am.
1: Ah, that's great, though. It is a really fascinating idea. Yeah. I know that we're all dealing with a lot of stuff these days, so I particularly wanted to acknowledge those that have taken the time to leave honest reviews of this podcast, like Elaine Grant, who called the show insightful, practical, eye-opening. As a veteran public radio producer and host, she says, and now an entrepreneur running a podcast consultancy, I thought I knew about the world of audio. Truth is, I knew just a small slice of this big and important world. I've learned so much from every episode. I need to re-listen and furiously take notes. I can't recommend audio branding highly enough. Thank you for taking the time to leave your comment, Elaine. It means so much to me. And now, back to the show. The one question I, I, I have from like hearing all of that, because I mean, it's a, a great background and I, I love what you're doing with the show so far. Thank you. So uh, do you see common problems with hosts when you are putting on your producer hat and are, are you trying to sort of dissect what that is in your show? I'm just curious if you ever touch, because I know that that's kind of like backtracking and sort of going into the negative, unfortunately, uh, as opposed to the positive. But um, I, I'm just curious as to if there are certain uh, similarities, I guess, between issues. Between issues
0: between different podcast hosts or between like some of the issues that show up among Podcast hosts also show up, say with voice talent
1: in the uh, studio. Well, I'm sure that's definitely the case. Uh, but I- I'm curious as to if, when you're a producer, if there are common problems that you find hosts who are new at it come come a, you know come into contact mm-hmm. with, come up against.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's easiest to talk about it in two big buckets. So there's the sure. scripted podcast bucket, which is probably more like your world because you're typically using a script, I assume.
1: Well, when I'm interviewing someone, sort of, it's sort of not.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Not as a podcast host, but as a voice actor. As
1: a voice actor. Yes, definitely. I
0: have as a, a voice script. actor. That's yeah, yeah. definitely not as a podcast host. Yeah. Um, sometimes you're using a Fr- I mean you and I built a, a framework so that we would stay on point and make sure that we could <laughs> yeah. cover things but we're not I'm reading going all from over it. the place but yeah <laughs> as I am but um but yes uh, but uh, but so there's scripted you know narrative nonfiction, audio drama where people are are reading from a script and typically there will be a producer. Tracking with them in studio and listening and saying, "Well, you know, let's try it this way or try it that way or whatever," um, versus conversation shows like this one, where uh, you know we're not we're not following a script, and so there are common problems in each of those categories. The most obvious one, the easiest one to point to, is new podcast hosts using scripts have a very hard time not sounding like they're reading.
1: Ah, yes. The voiceover problem.
0: (laughs) Exactly. It's the same problem. And I don't know about you. I'm curious about this. But when I hear somebody and I know they're reading, what's missing is the emotion. They're not in it. They're reading words on a page. And as a listener, I start to tune out very quickly. And it's it's just, you know, it's missing the, the heart and soul of and this is often true, and I would say that I fell into this. When I first moved over from being a news reporter to a podcaster, I mean there's a huge range of problems there. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of
1: differences, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> there
0: are a lot of differences, but they're not immediately obvious. Especially if you're moving, say, from being a feature reporter. Which I did a lot of features in public radio, which has a narrative feel to it. To uh, say documentaries, which it's easy to think are basically long feature stories, and and so you'll hear a lot of. That. I've done a lot of judging of podcasts for podcast award shows. Not actually allowed to say for whom. Um, Perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, and um, and I was surprised by a whole bunch of documentary shows coming from very big shops. You know, from the BBC to you know network big podcast networks to PBS, where that same problem existed because. The focus is on the reporting and the research and getting all these voices out. But they're not thinking or feeling
1: about what it is they're saying. It's a huge problem. See, that's where the voice acting comes in, right? That's the difference between the people who wrote it and the people who should be speaking it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, unfortunately, not all the time. I I will say not all the time because, you know, a, a good reporter certainly knows what they're talking about if they were the one that wrote the script. Um, But the difference between emoting in a realistic, authentic way that can connect with an audience, as opposed to reporting on something journalistically, can be quite different.
0: Not always, but
1: can be quite different. Yeah,
0: yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. The reason I paused when you know, when you said, well, that's the difference between the person writing it and the person voicing it, they can be very different, Mm -hmm. but, um, but often they're not. And that's where, that's where learning about hostiness comes in.
1: Well, that's the coaching aspect, right? So yeah. And, and a lot of times,
0: yeah. Also, and I wonder if this is true with voice acting, Sometimes when a host is really struggling with a script in studio, it's not because the host isn't good. It's because the writing isn't that great or it doesn't fit their style and their voice. And so then, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I'll say to a host I work with a lot, rewrite that sentence. It's clearly not working for you. Write it how you would say it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's definitely helpful. In a voice actor's vocabulary, that isn't really possible, because we are specifically hired to say someone else's words. So we have to take what's on that script, and make it our own use the theater of the mind to make sure that we can relate to what's on that page, and then speak it as if it's Mm -hmm. the truth of ours. So that's, that's kind of the idea. That's, that's where the coaching comes in, in that uh-huh. that will help you take what's on the page and make it yours.
0: Well, let me ask you, um, two questions, which is like <laughs> such a no, no, you don't ask two questions at once. I always tell
1: people, don't <laughs> well, do this. Well, I did. So you go for it. <laughs> but I'm going to do it.
0: And the first is, you know, is there a, a, a a Is there a problem that is common to new voice talent that you notice? And then second is, how do you help correct that problem that we just discussed of you're not in the theater of the mind and therefore the emotion of the words that you're hired to speak is just not coming across?
1: Well, I think the first of all, a lot of people think voice acting is just standing in front of a mic and talking. And unfortunately, it's not quite that simple. <laughs> or so, fortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, or fortunately, exactly. Um, so the, the issue becomes that, and I think that um, this was mentioned in episode two as well, that a lot of people who start off both in hosting and in voice acting, start off by mimicking someone else. Yes. So, so the problem becomes that that person doesn't know how they sound. They only know how someone else should sound and they try and mimic how that someone else should sound. Whereas when I'm being hired as a voice actor, I'm being hired to be me, just more me with their script, but I'm hired right. to be me. <laughs> right. So, so I have to know who me is. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's that's where the coaching comes in. So the coaching makes you comfortable enough with your own voice that you can just be you with the theater of the mind speaking that script, connecting to what's on that page. And that is a lot like learning how to act in general. It's going to seem like a process at first and you're going to be slow at it. And it, it takes a moment to think about but after a certain amount of time, it becomes second nature. And then you mm-hmm. just fall into you using those tactics.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about that is that um, there may be many yous oh, totally. in a way, right? I mean, yeah. not only do you, as a voice actor, and I've done some voice acting uh, over the years, um want to be able to say, well, I can, I can be very straight and serious, or I can be warm and friendly in the girl next door, or I can be this or that, or this age or, or that age. What I don't do is X, you know, there's always a, I don't do this. I'm not the right person for that. Um, so tell me, like, give me a couple specific, tangible coaching, tactics for learning who you are and learning the range of who you can be sincerely and believably like you're not putting something on it's just that we all have sort of a range
1: yeah it's yeah there are so many different ways that coaches do this I'm not a coach. So, so for that, um, it's a, a little bit more in depth than I would normally go. But I can say that from all of the coaches I've worked with over the years, I usually get a golden nugget from each one of them. And mm-hmm. the thing that has impressed me the most is that you need to find something in your own life that is similar to what's on the page. It doesn't have to be exact. Like if it's about Apple... And I don't care about Apple, but I really like a uh, Surface Pro, then I'm going to think about a Surface Pro in my head while I'm speaking this script for Apple. Do you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> I'm sure they would not be happy to hear that. No, they yes. wouldn't. No, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell them.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course you, you know. <laughs> but like if yeah. I really love Pepsi and I'm doing a Coke commercial, then I'm thinking of Pepsi while I do this commercial. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to find mm-hmm. the thing that you appreciate, the thing that really resonates for you. And right. then you need to think of that thing. And emotionally, your voice will follow. It just it just does.
0: Mm-hmm. There's not
1: anything you have to put on. It, when you're passionate about right. something, it comes out. And that can be in a straightforward script. It can be in healthcare. It can be in... Um, uh, you know, a a tech gadget, it could be in selling real estate, it could be Mm -hmm. in, you know, whatever it is that you are trying to make someone feel, they're not going to feel it unless you do. But if you feel it, it'll come through in your voice. This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations. Until next time.